Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! Connor Tate is going to round third, he will score! And rounding third is Blaylock, he will score! And the Dogs walk it off! If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down. Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams here with you today. Uh, we're super excited about it. We were just talking before we came on the show. We only missed a week. We just did it last week, but it feels like it's been a month since we've been behind this camera and microphone to talk to each other and bring you guys content about Georgia football. And by God, we have a good one for you today because, first of all, G-Day is Saturday, and so we get to watch football between the hedges, competitive football, whether you enjoy G-Day or not, I don't know, but if you are watching this channel, I assume you're going to be paying attention to G-Day on Saturday because you care about Georgia football, right? Well, we're just going to sit here and, and honestly discuss some things about what we are looking for on Saturday. We don't have prepared notes. This is a conversation between two guys that love Georgia football, and we're going to tell you as a fan perspective some of what we are going to sit down on our couch and or well, we'll be in the stands, uh, but we will sit down in those bleachers and watch for on Saturday what we are looking for on Saturday between position battles, young guys getting out there, and all the other stuff that might be going on. Uh, that's what we're bringing for you tonight. We don't have anything, like I said, show notes or anything. This is open notes. So in the comment sections, if there is something that you guys are looking for on Saturday, something that you are specifically going to be paying attention to, let us know, and we will talk about that as well. But Jonathan, how are we feeling? We've been out of football for a little while. It doesn't feel like as much of an offseason sometimes because there's always so much going on with Georgia football, especially recruiting, all those other things going on. But we finally get a football game to watch on Saturday. How are you feeling about that? I'm good. Yeah, we got a little like water cooler talk episode going on right here. You know, like in the workspace when you like the water cooler guys hovering around just talking sports, you know, recapping the weekend, what's going on, what are we looking forward to this week? It's kind of it's kind of the vibes that I'm getting from this episode. And I'm excited for it. G-Day is always interesting. I always think back to Kirby Smart's very first G-Day, you know, the 93 K-Day, the first year Incredible. that he became head coach, challenged every single fan to show up for the spring scrimmage. And it's a packed house in Sanford Stadium. I was there. It was freaking hot that day. I got sunburned. I got toasted. I was in the very top of the stands. But it was it was, it was just crazy to see. Freaking Ooh. ludicrous was performing before the game. <laughs> like it was just a wild environment for a spring game. Something that we have never seen before. I was yeah. definitely not used to. Like honestly, before Kirby Smart had gotten here, 
I didn't really know anything about a Georgia spring scrimmage. Like, you know, I was 15 at the time, but yeah. I was never found myself watching Georgia spring scrimmage in the springtime at that time. But when Kirby Smart came in, all of a sudden it was super emphasized. It seemed like everybody was glued into spring game and everybody was glued in to see what was going on. Cause it seems like there's always something major to be watching for this spring. And this spring, there happens to be a lot to be watching for it. Whether you're looking at the quarterback battle or wide receivers or cornerback two, aside from Kamari Lasker, you got a lot of guys That's rotating right. in yeah. safety as well on defense. There's been so many names floating around that area, kind of what they're doing and rotating over there. It, it, there's just a lot of good things to look for. There's a lot of fun things to watch for. So I'm just, I'm one pumped up that football will be back this weekend for a little bit. We'll get a little taste of it, of what yeah. we'll be getting this spring or this fall, excuse me. But all in all, just, just excited to see the people packed out in Athens again and feel that football Saturday vibe again. That's what I'm looking forward to. Man, G day is always <laughs> a bittersweet, a bittersweet time for me because like we get a game between the hedges in, in Athens. We get to watch, uh, like you said, I think the, uh, to be honest, I think the first G day game I ever actually went to was 93 K day. Um, mm-hmm. and then I've been every year since then at this yep. point, but I think that might've been the first one because it was never really talked about or made like important to the level that it has been since Kirby smart took over. Um, so I'm excited about that. It'll be fun to get out there. Zach. Yes, we will both be at creature comforts with the players lounge stuff. Uh, so if you're going to be there, make sure you say, Hey to us, we would love to meet you in person. Uh, and you're always such a good contributor in the comment section. So we definitely look forward to meeting you if you are actually there as well. Uh, but it's a bittersweet day for me because we get to watch football, like I said, but then we turn around and after that is when the season, like then it kind of dies June in a way. July creep around. Yeah, the, that even May May is okay because like you still get like the transfer portal stuff, which they've moved the transfer portal uh, open date up. By the way, it's not like early May as much as it's actually going to be. I think after G Day, you might start seeing mm-hmm. some stuff from Georgia at this point. So that's been changed. You'll get that kind of content for a week or two out of it, but then you're going to slip into May and it's going to really start to slow down. There'll still be some recruiting stuff at that point. It's not in a dead period just yet, but as you get into June and July, it literally shuts stuff down. And so we are just around the corner of that. So that's the, the, the bitter part of it for me. I'm excited to see what we're going to get, um, you know, on Saturday and what we're going to be able to look forward to come the fall. But I do know that there is that they're going to kind of pull the rug out from under us a little bit afterwards. It kind of gets you amped up real hype. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you got to go back down to zero again uh, where football's not really going on. But I mean, to say the least, like you were mentioning earlier, let's start. That's what I want to start with first because obviously it's the biggest conversation point quarterback stuff, right? One thing you and I were talking about before the show even came on was last year. Georgia came out and we thought they made a statement. We talked about it after the show last year. They made a statement last year, threw the crap out of the football during that game. And I think part of it was like, Hey, we have an established quarterback. You know, we've had a a offensive coordinator for, for three years at this point, this is the third year. We want to show people, Hey, show our fan base. We're, we're we're planning to throw the football this season. Don't worry about that. Cause that was all the speculation was Georgia, such a run heavy football team, right? Well, this year, Jonathan, how do you look at, what do you expect to see in that aspect of it? Because we have what Kirby smart and the, and the program is trying to sell people on is, it's a quarterback battle. They want those players to think this is a poor quarterback battle as well. And my view is the only way that that what that comes out to look like on Saturday at G Day is you got to let those kids throw the football. Otherwise, you can't evaluate the quarterback battle in front of the atmosphere in the crowd and everything like that. Well, I think something that's going to be worth taking note of this Saturday is you know last year 
we didn't kind of re- we didn't realize it in the moment, but Kirby Smart and that staff was very much foreshadowing what was going to be in store for that offense in the coming season. It's you know you threw the ball a lot. You had over ninety attempts collectively between all of your quarterbacks last spring, showing that yeah we're going to be tossing the ball around the yard. We're going to be doing a lot of that. And what happened the next year? Well, Stetson Bennett ends up being a Heisman finalist. He becomes the program's first ever four thousand yard passer, and you have a historic season as an offense. That's what happened. So very much foreshadowed what was in store for offense that year. This year, it's very much going to be doing the same. It's only going to look a little bit different because you've got two guys kind of really battling it out between Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck. But the good news is, is that you're going to be throwing it a lot. You're going to get a lot of reps from both of those guys. Yeah, and you may not get a good look scheme-wise, kind of what Mike Boba and them are going to – you'll get like a blanket type of viewpoint of what they're going to be running. Again, I don't think they're going to be changing a whole lot from that standpoint, but every offensive coordinator is going to be throwing in their types of wrinkles and kind of giving some different looks as opposed to maybe what Munkin was running the previous three years. So those are kind of the things to look at. Just just go watch Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff battle out. That's what you want to see in a spring game when you have a quarterback battle. Who's going to show up and be the dog that day? Yeah. Who's going to separate themselves from the other guy? Who's really going to take that step forward? Who's just going to go out there and play ball? You know, if they make mistakes, they make mistakes. And honestly, that may not even be a bad thing if Carson Beck ends the day with an interception or two or if Brock Vandergriff does either as well. Because that kind of that probably means that they're taking chances. They're trying to force the ball to their guys. They're trying to make plays, and they're trying to really make that step forward right before spring football ends. So that's honestly a good thing if you see that happening they're, in the box score. They're taking those chances, but they're also testing their ability, right? Like this is the time period where those quarterbacks get to go out there, and these these stats like it matters in the sense that they're obviously trying to win a starting job, right? But these stats aren't going to follow them after this game. They, these these stats shut down. And it's not a real game, right? So they go out there, and this happens in practice, obviously, at this point, too. They get the chance to challenge themselves. So they get to find out, hey, can I throw it in that tight window or not? That's when they get to make those mistakes, and it's okay to make those mistakes because you can't make those mistakes come August, September. Whoever gets that job in August or September, that's when you can't make those mistakes anymore. So you can try to push yourself today and tomorrow and on Saturday at G-Day because that's the time to do it. So Jonathan, that's a perfect, perfect point right there. If you are a fan and you watch these guys, like, I mean, think about last year. I think Carson Beck led the, the team in passing yards last year, didn't he, at G-Day? Uh, probably. He, he had remember. some crazy good plays. Made He looked good. But guess what? He wasn't your starting quarterback. The reason I say that is if you see, like, uh, personally, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, so I'm not going to go deep into it. I think that Carson Betts is your quarterback starting day one of the football season. Now, Kirby Smart is making it a challenge and is making it a competition, so it's not guaranteed that somebody can't overstep him between now and August, September. But I think that Carson Beck is your starting quarterback. But when I say that to you guys, just because you see something on Saturday. If he throws an interception or something like that, that doesn't mean he's not going to still have that job come August and September. If Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton absolutely go off and do what what Carson Beck did last season, that doesn't necessarily mean they are pole vaulting in front of Carson Beck in that depth chart as well. So, like, don't... Take that. So these these coaches are watching stuff throughout the entire spring practice. They're watching all of it break down. They're not watching one game and judging the position battles based on one specific game. It's our chance to get to see what that looks like. But these these coaches are watching them every single day and have watched them at this will be the third or third scrimmage, I think. Right, Jonathan? I think third scrimmage, yeah. 
that they've done at this point, and they've had some kind of messed up because of rain at this point as well. So they haven't quite got the same type of feeling they usually do. But my point is, as a fan, if somebody's throwing interceptions or goes off, you know, you can enjoy it or be upset a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the final answer of who's going to be that quarterback come the football season with the first game, um, you know, in, in September. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to see like two and a half hours of Georgia's football program of what they look like. This 2023 squad looks like in the springtime. They've been going at it for the past month now. Like you said, multiple scrimmages already every day in practice. So we see two and a half hours and Mike Bobo, Kirby Smart, all those guys on staff, they see the entire process, the entire developmental process of these guys, what they do every single day. So maybe, you know, maybe throughout spring, Carson Beck is really, really consistent throughout the entire spring and Brock Vandergriff is kind of shaky a little bit or vice versa. And then if one of them goes off the or one of them does really badly on spring, maybe that wasn't exactly how everything was throughout the entire spring. So yeah, you actually, you d- you definitely have to take what happens on Saturday with a little bit of a grain of salt, just understanding that that's not, a, that may not be the whole story of what happened, but nonetheless, it's still good to see, you know, like last year, Oscar Delp, a true freshman, he led the team in receiving yards as a true freshman last spring. I believe he had a little over 90 receiving yards. He had a really solid day and he led the team in targets and receptions. So Clearly, they were looking his way, and maybe that had something to do with Carson Beck, like you said, leading the team in passing yards. So Carson Beck was probably working with Oscar Delp a lot more last season. So that was probably a guy that he was super familiar with, and a guy that he was they really were on practice to squad with. together. You know, it, so exactly. they had that relationship, that chemistry, kind of started already. Yeah, so those types of things come into play as well. But again, but kind of shifting gears a little bit. When it's it's a good while it's also it's a great thing that your quarterbacks are going to get a lot of reps. It's a great thing that guys like Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, all those new guys, those true freshman wide receivers, all of them are going to get a lot of reps on Saturday. It's also really beneficial for the cornerback battle that you have on defense. Georgia had five different names, I believe, in one of the scrimmages play at the n- number two cornerback spot. It was like yeah. Smoke Bowie, Nylon Green. Um, Everett was in there. There was a lot of guys that floated in there at their cornerback two spot. A.J. Harris is a guy that's been mentioned a lot. So a lot of guys in the mix right now. They're trying a lot of different names, as they should in the springtime. So when you're getting a lot of passing reps, you're also giving a lot of reps for that cornerback two spot, which yeah. is another reason why I think Georgia's just going to go out there and air it out on Saturday because it that's just it point. really feeds into what you need this spring and what you're trying to figure out on both sides of the football, playing into safety as well. It sounds like from the sounds of things that are coming out of Georgia's camp in spring, you know, Javon Ballard has been playing strong safety alongside Malachi Stark. <clears throat> and that what that allows is they're going to put in Tyke Smith at star, or they might put in Smoke Bowie in there as well. And then you got yeah. David Daniel Sisavon, and you got the true freshman Joan Aguero playing safety. They're going to be really multiple on oh, defense man. is what I'm really saying. And because for one, Javon Ballard is a dog. You, you, people know this by now. I love that. me some, J- J- some Javon, Javon Ballard. I love that. So he has to be on the field. Whether you play him at star or if you want to put him at safety, he has to be on the field. He's one of your best playmakers on defense. But being able to play him at safety or star allows you to put in a former All-American Tyke Smith at star, where he thrives more than he would at safety at the SEC level and at Georgia. He would thrive more at that linebacker safety hybrid down there in the box, being able to tackle one of his best attributes. you know, And then Smoke Bowie as well. All those guys. You're going to be really multiple. Dan Jackson, he's not 100% healthy right now, but he's also in the mix of safety as well. So you just have a lot of names. They're going to be rotating in and out. 
but that's a good thing because you got a lot of different options that you can work with and you're going to be really strong regardless of what the situation is. Yeah. And I'm glad you just brought that up too, like the secondary side of it, because that's huge for me. We've talked about that on here before we've, we broke down our position breakdowns and we've looked at secondary corners and stuff like that at this point. First thing was the, the, there's two players that I'm looking at come Saturday that I think is a do or die moment for them in a Georgia uniform. Um, whether or not they're going to be able to start or be able to play significant enough to where they they have a chance to actually do something in their career at Georgia. And that is Tyke Smith, like you just said. I, we haven't been able to see him. He's dealt with injury when he first mm-hmm. came on. And then all of a sudden, you got Javon Ballard, who just blew up on the scene and 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 made it to where you had to put him on the field. So then Tyke also couldn't jump that at the time. This guy was an All-American at West Virginia, a team like playing for a team that had the best pass defense in the country. And by the way, playing in the in the Big 12 where they air the ball out. So he's an impressive defensive back. That's still not lost on me after a few seasons of him being at Georgia. But at this point, is he good enough to play instead of somebody else? And right now, like you said with Javon Ballard, if Javon Ballard goes to safety, it opens up an opportunity for him to play at star or if they're rotating or something like that. It gives him the chance to get on the field and show that he should be out there. That's what we get to see on Saturday. We will get to watch that. Another one is that corner position like you're talking about as well. And a name that sticks out to me that I talked about two years ago on here that I thought he was going to be a freshman. I thought he was going to be a freshman's potential playing that you would see him on the field early on in his career. And that's Nylon Green. And he kind of went quiet for two seasons at this point. I believe he's in his junior season right now or his third Mm -hmm. year. It might be a redshirt sophomore because of the way college football works now. I'm waiting to see how that plays out because there is such a tight competition at that cornerback two position right now. And it's between, honestly, like the biggest thing is it's, you know, you got Lassiter starting, right? But it's Everett, Dalen Everett and Nylon Green. Who's going to be that cornerback number two? And it is a tight competition between them. That is where my main focus on defense is on Saturday because we have been waiting to see those two players be able to do something. And I believe Nylon Green had an interception last year in the spring game. But mm-hmm, I also did. believe I also believe it was on a trick play where it wasn't even a quarterback throwing the ball. I, remember I believe it was Dominic Blaylock where they had like the little was. trick end around and Dominic and Blaylock. And then he tried to throw across his body across the it field. It was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad. It was rough. <laughs> it was. But he did have a pick at G-Day. Um, but those are the two defensive players that I'm most focused on because I really do – like I've been, like I said, I was high on both those guys for obvious reasons with Tyke Smith and, you know, with, with Nylon Green was somebody that as soon as he came out of high school that year, I thought he would be a contributor as a freshman potentially. And so I was clearly wrong about that because there was some dudes on that <coughs> roster uh, or maybe, you know, the transition from high school to playing in college was a little bit tougher for him. It's hard at Georgia. It's not just the physical ability. It is the mental side as well. And so maybe the playbook wasn't sticking as well for him over the first year and a half or so at Georgia. And maybe, maybe that played into it. I don't know. I'm not in that locker room, but I'm excited to see what he can do. And I, I do think this is a do or die moment for both of those players. Yeah. He's, those guys are definitely going to get a lot of cracks at it. Going to get a good look at the specifically those two guys, probably Everett and, <clears throat> and Nylon green, both really talented. And you'll probably toward at the beginning of the season, you'll probably see them do what they did with Amir speed and Keely Ringo a couple seasons ago where, you know, Amir Speed started out as the starter for Georgia in 2021. He was ahead of Keely Ringo 
But then Keely Ringo eventually just took over that spot and it was solidified that number five was going to be our guy for the rest of the year. Not saying that I don't I don't know who's going to be not saying like one of them is going to automatically be Amir Speed because Amir Speed was just a veteran guy. He's been here for longer. So in this case, it's Nylon Green. But you're probably what I'm saying is you're probably going to see them give both guys a look at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then whichever one just kind of takes over, that's who you rock with. And that's a good situation yep. to be with. And it's definitely a good situation to be in in the spring when you got two guys battling it out. You want those battles. You want that happening. You don't want it to be just, it's Dalen Everett, clear as day. He's head above shoulders, everybody else. You want it to be, yeah, Dalen Everett has looked good, but Nylon Green is really pushing yep. him for that spot. You want that it's on every single right position now. on your roster. That's Absolutely. why Kirby Smart recruits in a top three every single year since he's been at yep. Georgia. It's because you want those guys that are constantly, you're number two. Yeah, you may not get on the field, but I want you to think that you can, and I want you to actually be challenged to the person in front of you to where they have to be their best every single day because all it takes is they slip up and you're still having your best day. Guess what? We're going to give you a run. And I genuinely think that Kirby Smart looks at every single position, and he he does that. Uh, like week, week in and week out, are you the best player at this position today? Are you the best player this Saturday at that position? And so I think that's, that's definitely going to play out the same way and that's exactly, you're right. That's what you want to see as a fan. This is the golden age type area of, we know that our number two is very capable and they are, are easily able to come in. And you may not realize that you lost your starter. At first, you might be kind of disappointed about it because it's a big name, right? Like we've had some uh, big name players go out at Georgia over the past season. You know, we, we had A.D. Mitchell was out uh, most of the season last year. Guess what? Lad McConkey and the other guys all stepped up. And yeah, you missed having AD during the regular part of the season, but but he also didn't him going down didn't make it where you couldn't go win a national championship. Yeah, for sure. And Dean, thank you for giving us the Atlanta Braves updates during the show. You know, it's baseball yeah. season, but for us, we do our shows at eight o'clock and the Braves typically start at 7 p.m. on these on these yep. spring summer evenings. So still repping the A. Always am repping the A. So we appreciate the in-studio updates that you provide us, Dean. Thank you for coming in clutch for those. But yeah. Yeah. All right, Stoddard. I want to talk about another freshman that honestly didn't really expect this one to surge on as quickly as it has. But he's clearly making a lot of noise. And by a lot of noise, I mean just booms, boom, constant booms. Like, boom, this guy is showing up every single day. He's really flashing right now. That man is none other than Lawson Lucky. Freshman tight end. You know, we brought Georgia brought in two tight ends this class. They brought in Pierce Sperlin. They brought in Lawson Lucky. You and I had the privilege to watch Pierce up close over at the Adidas All-American game. We've seen him, seen what he can do. Unfortunately for him, injury right at the beginning of spring, he's done for the rest of the spring. So we aren't going to get to see him. And now it seems like Lawson Lucky has really taken advantage of those reps and those extra reps that he has gained from Pierce being out. Because, look, you already knew who Brock Powers freaking was. We know all about Brock Powers and what he can do. We got a really good look at what Oscar Delp can do and what he was able to do for Georgia when Darnell Washington went down against Ohio State in the cultural playoff game. And Oscar Delp goes in there and plays meaningful snaps and does a tremendous job for you. We know what he can do. We've seen glimpses of Oscar Delp. Now it's his time to really shine. Yeah, but now you got a third tight end. Two was already really good. Most teams don't even have one really good tight end. Now Georgia has two, maybe even three this next year, and it's lost and lucky. Just freaking skyrocketing right now. Off the charts, freaking good. 
what what in the world how do you even manage i don't even know if you can answer this question because i can't even answer this question but what do you even do with three tight ends like this when you have three really good ones i don't i really don't understand because todd hartley has recruited his freaking butt off on the trail he's reeling these dudes in like it's nothing but now it's freaking loaded down that that chart is loaded down i'm interested to to see yeah, well, how do you even manage that on a roster? Because it's like if Lawson Lucky continues at this um, trajectory, if he just keeps on creeping up there and creeping up there, you got to get him in the game at some point if he's making plays like this. Harrison's saying run the damn 13 personnel. Maybe that's what you do. I don't, I don't think you quite get that point. But all right, here's here's what you do. Here, here's like, first of all, we've had three tight ends at Georgia who were fantastic football players already. We We have had... Brock Bowers. We've had him for a, or a couple seasons at this point. We're going into third season. While Brock Bowers is there, you had Darnell Washington, who is making splashes and could be a, a high round draft pick in this. Like, there's talks that he could potentially go as high as a, a round one, but he, I would see him go in round two, honestly. So you've got another guy right there. Guess what? On the roster last season, at the same time as those two guys, is Oscar Delp, who, once you actually have an injury at tight end, he comes in and he scores what? Uh, I know he scored a touchdown in the national championship. Did he score two in the national championship or just one? I think just one. Just one. I'm thinking about Branson Robinson. Branson, yeah, Branson Robinson, Robinson scored two. two. I know that. But that's how you manage it. You, you, do, you don't change anything. You, you do it how you've been doing as far as you manage those guys. You can have three guys in your room that you've had before. But this is where it gets complicated. And you and I have talked about this a lot. You don't run 13 personnel. Sorry, uh, Harrison. I love you. But that's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. 12 personnel starts to look very different for Georgia is what I think. Because I've sat here and I've said this as well. Um, Now, I've heard some stuff out of camp as well. I think you have, obviously, as well, that maybe Oscar Delp is going to be able to put his hand in the dirt more for you. And so maybe he's going to play that type of role and do more of the Darnell Washington side of it. Because until somebody started to step up, now I know he's hurt right now, but before he got hurt, that was the name that started to emerge in that side of it. Because that was our biggest question is who is going to do that? Because Brock Bowers, one, way too good to be putting his hand in the dirt. I'm sorry. He just is. Like he can do it occasionally, but he is not going to be your end of line. He can't be a Darnell Washington. He's not a Darnell Washington. Honestly, Brock Bowers is a unicorn in his own way. He's one of the best pass-catching tight ends you'll ever watch play football. Darnell Washington was one of the most versatile tight ends in all of co- like college football you in that may, way. Again, you may never see anything like that ever again. Let's be honest. As big as he was, as fast as he could still move, he could block, he could catch, he could outrun people. Jump, he literally was hurtling defenders. That's that's a unicorn, guys. That That's what you had there. So now, Georgia, I really think that that is a harder person to replace right now um, because – it is you need somebody on the end of your line to help your run game uh, for your pass game. Like it helps all aspects of your offense. If Oscar Delp can do that, maybe he can step up in that aspect. But okay. I, I do think that your twelve personnel just looks different than what it used to look like at Georgia this year. I think Georgia fans should be extremely pumped to be hearing that. I mean, we we release this on Dogs Daily, so like Georgia fans should be ecstatic hearing that Oscar Delp has put on the weight and has done the work to be a guy that is willing to be an end-of-line blocker. Because that, should, that tells you two things. One, it tells you that, you're again, you're going to be able to do a lot of different things with your tight ends. You're going to be able to have both Oscar Delp and Brock Bowers in. You're going to be able to put 
basically plug Brock Bowers wherever you want him to be, and then you can plug in Oscar Delp down at the end of line and add some extra help in pass pro, or you can leak him out and do some, use him in the pass game. But two, the fact that – look, Oscar Delp has never in his football career ever, before coming to Georgia, was he ever asked to put his hand in the dirt. This guy was dominating the lacrosse field, and he was just doing anything and everything offensively for West Forsyth during high school. That's what he was doing. Oscar Delp has never been a guy that they said, all right, get on the end line, put your hand in the dirt, and block. That's what we want you to do. That's what you're here for. Never. That's not what you do with a guy like Oscar Delp in high school. The fact that he is willing to make that transition now in his second year proves that – he is willing to do anything and everything for his team. He's willing to do the dirty work for football. you. He wants, he wants to, to be football. out there. Yeah, he yeah. wants to play football. That's a good. That's a, that's a great thing to hear. That speaks a lot about Oscar Dope's character. Yes, it's a character. It speaks yeah. a lot about the culture at the University of Georgia. Oh, you hear all the time. It's not a me culture at UGA. It's not, It's so far from it. It's all about the team. What can I do to help my team out? Oscar Delp is doing something that can help his team out tremendously, and it's really going to pay off for the offense this coming year for sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to pay off for the offense. But like to go back to what you're talking about too, right? So like if if Oscar Delp is more of a, a inline type guy, right? We're obviously going to have, and, and I say more inline because he's the one showing that he can put his hand in the dirt. He's gained the weight and done it to where he can do that. That doesn't mean that he won't go out there and still catch a lot of passes and be you know a big role in that side of it as well. So not taking that away from him when I say that, but that opens the door for guys like. You know, Pierce Sperlin, who I, uh, you and I got, like you said, we got to go see Pierce Sperlin play the at the All-American game. That guy's not going to be putting his hand in the dirt in, unless they they change a lot of stuff. Maybe in a few more seasons. It, it's If Georgia has some work to do there, and like you said, though, but that's the same. They had work to do with Oscar Delp, and they were able to do it. So that's not to say that they can't do that, right? And, and maybe, you know, Lucky, he's a little bit bigger of a tight end already. Um, so maybe he would be somebody that would kind of come in that way. But I think that you can rotate those guys. Like They're all going to be able to catch the ball very, very well. You'll be able to get them all in there and figure out who's going to be more of your inline guy. I don't think they're having any problem managing that after Brock Bowers leaves. I think it's just a, an embarrassment of riches like you've had at that, that position. Todd Hartley has recruited that position as well as everyone used to talk about how how good the running back room and the running back room at Georgia is still really good. Don't get me wrong, but like where you have the next guy in line every single time for, you know, seven, eight years, that's what Georgia's starting at tight end right now. Every single class, every single guy that comes in at that position is a dude. It's so different than what we used to see. Like these guys are exactly what every Georgia fan wanted Isaac Nada to be when he came to Georgia as a five-star tight end, every bit of what they wanted him to be. That's what these guys are. I see some people are, or I see Harrison mentioning my phone. In short, guys, Marion, I see you're asking about what Harrison is referencing when I, when he says lax boy. In short, I called Harrison a beta on the Twitter timeline about a year ago <laughs> for being a fellow lax boy because he played lacrosse in high school. But that was just me freaking joking on a friend and giving him a hard time because someone else was giving me a hard time. In short, that's all it is. But anyways... I don't know. Harrison, are you saying that you're the, you're the physical specimen that Oscar Delp is? I love you, buddy, but... Buddy, I I ain't seen you in person, but (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say no. I've seen you in person. I'm still going to say no. So, (laughs) but I do like this question from Harrison. G-Day hot takes. You know, this, we said, I said it at the beginning of the episode, this is a water cooler type discussion. We're just chopping it up. Hot takes for G-Day. We're just talking some ball. G-Day hot takes. Give me one G-Day hot take starter. What, What is your hot take for Saturday? 
I don't know if it's a hot take, but like we kind of touched on it already. Is like you're going to see the Georgia air the ball out a high percentage of the time on Saturday, and and I'm excited to see it because we'll get to see kind of you know whether or not Bobo continues to have the same type of play design stuff that we've seen. I also don't expect them to make it look fancy or crazy. Obviously, at G Day, it's G Day. You're not going to put you know your your strategy on film, you're going to be pretty vanilla in that side of it. But I do expect them to throw the ball a lot because of what you brought up earlier. One, you've got quarterbacks that are battling for a starting position right now, and then you have cornerbacks who are battling and safeties battling for a starting position as well. The only way you get a real look at those guys, at all of those guys, is to let them air the ball out. So I think that's like, I don't know if that's a hot take necessarily, but that's that's a huge part of Saturday. All right. I'll give two hot takes. I'm going to – the first one I'm going to give, I'm going to keep with the trend from last year that a true freshman leads the team in receiving guards and targets this Saturday. I'm going to keep with that trend, and I'm going to say that Yazid Haynes leads the team in receiving yards on Saturday. I, I, that, okay. I, this That's a guy that I feel has so much potential in this offense. Kind of like he's it sound, he's got the go-go juice. That dude is so freaking fast. I think he ran a 4-3 in the 40 in high school. Like This man is blazing fast. We've heard good things already about him leading up to the national championship game when they were kind of in that winter camp phase when he was getting some reps with the team at practice. We heard good things about him then. The good things have kind of continued now. I think he's going to have a big day on Saturday. And then I'll give you another one. I think A.J. Harris, the true freshman cornerback, has an interception on Saturday as well. I heard a lot of good things about him. That dude's like a it. dog. He's, I like it. He may not be high up there in the mix right now, but come fall, I think you're, or come late in the season, like those Georgia Tech games, that type of, when you get into that time of the year, I think you're going to be seeing quite a bit, not quite a bit, but you're going to be seeing an uptick in the usage of A.J. Harris in the defense because that dude's different from what I've heard, and he's a baller. And so I think he makes a big play on Saturday. I think he snags him one in the back end of the secondary. So those are going to be my two hot takes. For sure. All right, I like, I'll give I like I'll give a hot take too. That I, I was thinking about it for a second too. I'll, I'll go with Branson Robinson. One is gonna like just be electric on Saturday, and he'll lead the team in rushing yards. I think that like you've got Dejon Edwards and you've got Kendall Milton. Uh, those guys are your established running backs. I think that Branson Robinson is gonna go out there and make it a, a day about him. Man, uh, that picture they posted today on Twitter, buddy was chiseled. He was already chiseled. Don't get me wrong. That dude is thick, but. Man, he, he's, he looks to be in prime condition to be, be toting the ball for Georgia a good bit. All right, this one I'm going to say I'll start with this and I'll let you go on to. Don't over, be under feeding three, into this, Harrison. Don't, don't be doing three this. Three halfback draws on third and long. I'm going to, first of all, don't be pulling the Mike Bobo stuff on that, okay? It's yeah, not, come on now. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under because it's G-Day. And what does that show you? This is about it. This is an evaluation time period. This is not about like – no, this is about an evaluation time period. Third, third, third and long draw play doesn't tell you anything about your football team as far as what you're trying to evaluate. You need to see what your quarterbacks can do and what those cornerbacks can do on those positions that are crucial for them. Under. Look, and let's, let's let's be real for a second. Back in 2014, 2015. On third and long, you honestly probably had a better chance picking up the first down, giving it to Nick Chubb or Todd Gurley on hey, third homie, and long. Than you it did, did work sometimes. People <laughs> I mean, complained about it, Lord. but that dude, they made it work sometimes, okay? It would be third they and 12. Did. They would get that first down on that on that drop play. I'm okay? saying. It, it used to work. People always focused on the times that didn't. 
but it did work sometimes. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Goodness. I mean, heck, just feed those dudes the ball and you were, you were going to be all right 60% of the time. But everybody, yeah, everybody wants to focus on the 40% of the time. Yeah. All right. We gave 35 minutes of our deep, not even really a deep dive, just our service discussion a little just, bit, kind of yeah, previewing surface. G-Day a little bit. Things to watch, what we're watching, some hot takes, courtesy of Offensive Harrison. line before we go away as well, though. That's another one that's it's Ooh. I think is gonna be interesting to see the we'll rotation. Hit on that real quick. We need for to sure. talk about I think that's important because that's another thing that I forgot about for a second. That's extremely important to yeah. watch on Saturday. I we mean, get to see the rotation of those guys and who starts with the ones on that one. That's that's the first thing. As soon as I turn on the game, that's the first thing. Or not turn on. I'm gonna be there. The first thing I'm gonna do when they line up is pay attention to who those five guards guys are and where they're playing because they are rotating those guys into different positions. It's not even just everyone playing exactly what you thought they would play all the way through. Yeah. Coming into spring, I honestly thought it, it, Ernest Green was just going to kind of take over that left tackle spot. That kind of seemed like the vibe that was, that was being given at the time, like heading into spring, like Ernest Green was going to be that dude, but Austin Blaschke, I think it's how you say it. Austin Blaschke. Blaschke. Is it Blasky? Blasky. Brooks says Blasky is how he enunciates it. So I I guess I'm going to hop on that train and go with Austin Blasky. And he's really asserted himself into that spot. And they've done a lot. They've rotated a lot. Kind of what something George has done something. I don't know if it's different, but it probably is different, to be honest. They've kind of gone days where it's like, all right. Ernest Green, you get 30 reps today at left tackle. Let's see it. And then the next day, it's Austin Blaschke. You get 30 reps at left tackle today with the ones units. And they've just been kind of rotating it. And every guy knows that they're going to get a lot of opportunities that day to kind of assert themselves in that position battle, keep their name in the mix, really prove themselves that day. And it's beneficial for the coaches. It's beneficial for the players as well. So what looked like it was going to be Ernest Green's job to lose, now you got two guys. And, man, yeah. it, it – I don't it's it's interesting because you kind of already know what the other positions are going to look like. Like, you know, Tate Rowledge is going to be in there. You know that Cedric Van Pran is going to be in there. You know, Amarius Mims is going to be in there. Those are your three that you do know. Yeah. Xavier Trust, Micah Morris in that guard spot. Some other names as well. Dylan Fairchild, a lot of different names um, surfacing around or floating around. Jared Wilson is is out there. Um, Like I think you said Micah Morris already. Uh, Chad yeah, Lindbergh yeah. is out there. Like his name's out Chad there as Lindbergh. well. Yeah, there's a lot of names that I feel like have gotten buried in that depth chart that people have forgotten about just because Georgia's had a lot of continuity up front on the offensive line for a while now. There's been a lot of familiar names, consistent names over the past couple of years where some guys that you recruited two or three years ago kind of get buried on that depth chart pretty quickly. But now they're starting to rise back up and you're hanging those names again. There's a lot of guys in the mix for the offensive line. Now that's another position that you'll probably see quite a few guys play and yeah. Right. You're the definitely big evaluation see a lot of guys play on Saturday. For sure. Big evaluation day. And and we don't have to go into this because I know we spent a couple extra minutes on it. To, but also just very excited. I don't have like a whole in-depth thing on them, but there's the wide receivers that are are transferring in, right? You got Dominic Lovett um and then Rara Thomas. Those two dudes, we haven't been able to see them in a Georgia uniform yet. We haven't been able to watch that. We saw them play against them last year. Uh each played one game against Georgia, obviously. But we haven't been able to see them play in that red and black yet. So I'm excited about that as well. Uh, Roots, I agree. It's Blasky. I, there's no H in there. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Brooks, too, not, Brooks can be wrong. Blasky feels like a mouthful, dude. Like, I feel like I'm going <laughs> to choke on my own saliva when I try and say that. Like, goodness gracious. That's oh. doing too much. We doing too much, baby, when we doing that. All right. But kicker. All right. You guys want some special teams talk. 
kicker. I guess Jared Zirkel is the current front runner to be your place kicker this upcoming season. We got the Aussie back there kicking punts, kicking Brett, them a mile Brett long. Brett Thorson is going to be kicking those 76-yard punts. Don't you worry about that. But I guess you will see a prime kicking battle going on Jared on Saturday Zirkel. to see. Jared Zirkel, I think your guy. I do. Yeah, he's probably going to be your guy. But you'll get to see who wins the kicking battle on Saturday. You're going to probably get to see a lot of field goals being kicked. So you'll get a good glance at that, but I'm not sure – We'll see. I don't know. But yeah, hey, I'd say I'll take it one step longer. Yeah, uh, further. You might get a long snapper named Payne Walker, by the way. So there oh. you go. I got your okay. long little, snapper. Little nug from the Stodfather right there. Okay. Gotcha. Special teams nug right there. But there you go. I hope you are sufficed that okay. Brooks admitted that he was wrong. He just seemed okay. All right. There we that's what that's what I get for trying to follow Brooks. Last time I listened Listen, to him man. trying to enunciate something. <laughs> I, I should have known better because this man has battled back and forth with going Bullard and Ballard. He he has gone back and forth with that. So don't follow my footsteps and see and go off of what Brooks says and how he enunciates names. That's the lesson. That that we I go, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Bullard and Ballard is like I, I think it depends on like the conversation. Sometimes I'll ramble that off in both ways. It is um, hard to I like it's Bullard. I think because it's Bullard. once you want. <laughs> oh once you get used to saying it one way, it's so hard to yeah. to get yourself to stop from saying that way. It's, yeah, it's very it difficult. Is. It's tough. But all right. I think we've covered everything now. Now that we've covered special teams a little bit, and we'll, we'll get into that maybe post-G-Day when we actually get to see who they trot out there kicking field goals. Maybe we'll give you, we'll give you another more in-depth special teams discussion than we did today. But – so I got to thinking when when we were talking about King of the Hill topics for tonight, and that's the that's the that's what we're transitioning into right now, folks. We're going into King of the Hill. I was thinking, I was trying to figure out a theme oh, that hold could on. go. Hold on, before you do this, we do need to say this before we do this. Damn it, stop! You're gonna interrupt shouts, me one more time. I, I know, but I meant to get this earlier, and we got to do it. The new Ugga, man. The new Ugga. We got Boom coming oh, out yeah. there. We got Boom coming out. That's right. He's getting we do. It, it's the collar ceremony on Saturday, man. We got a new Ugga. We're retiring Q. Ugga 10, and he's he is the status. winningest, dude, winningest, winningest uh, Ugga of all time. And he, dude's walking away with two national championships. Go right off into the sunset, my boy. It is your time. And now That's we're going to be the, the best retirement ever. Oh, he's yeah. the goodest boy of the goodest boys out there. That man should be sitting on a sofa doing nothing but sleeping and drinking water out of his two back to back national title bowls. That's what that man should be doing, eating, eating steak. For the rest of his days, that's what he deserves. Every that's the kind of honor to. that he should. He go was down introduced with. November twenty first of no, uh, November twenty first of two thousand fifteen, and he is officially being retired on April fifteenth, twenty twenty three. And they will be introducing and doing the new collar ceremony of uh, uh, Boom for Uga eleven on Saturday. I'm glad that he gets to just ride off into the sunset. He gets to just sit there on the king of the hill. He gets king to of walk the off the same way that Stetson does. You know. Back to yeah. back national championship. He gets his proper send off as he should. Absolutely. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you again, but go ahead. Let's try this. Third time's a charm. We're going <laughs> to try and get into this segment and we're going to try and discuss the topic of that pick. But I was thinking about G Day, trying to think of a theme or a topic to discuss that kind of went in with G Day. And I just got, I was like, true freshman names are kind of floating in my mind of maybe what we can expect from um, on Saturday from those guys. But I was also thinking like, you know, every freshman, whether it's at the high school level or the college level or a rookie in the pros, they all have these rookie freshman moments at some point. They, they happen. Growing pains, you just you got to learn the hard way sometimes. So it got me thinking, 
Everybody, when you're talking about your high school playing days and your sports careers, we all want to talk about the highs of the highs. What were we really good at? What was our coolest moments? Let me pull up this old highlight that my dad recorded of me when I played so I can show you how good I used to be. grainy video. But nobody wants to talk about the lowest of the lows. Nobody wants to talk about the times they screwed up or the times that they wish they could forget. The moments where you sit in bed at night, randomly at 11.45 at night trying to go to sleep, and it comes back, that memory surfaces back into your mind, and you're just like, I wish I would have never done that. I wish that never would have happened. But we're going to talk about it, and we're gonna. I want to hear your your most embarrassing sports moment of your playing career. That's what I want to hear. Air it out. Talk to us. Yeah. Lay lay the grounds. Let's hear it. That's what I want to know. So, I, like, I played baseball in high school. Uh, that was the only sport I played in high school. I played a bunch of sports before that, but high school level where it mattered more to me, obviously. Um, it was baseball for me. And so like, obviously everyone makes errors and things like that. So I didn't have a lot like that stuff just is what it is. But the mental side of it, sometimes like you just kind of do a little bit too much kind of thing in baseball. That's, that's where you get yourself in trouble and you get people walking off going, what were you doing? Keep it simple. My moment, keep it simple, stupid. That's all right. Uh, no, Harrison, you're wrong. That was an RBI in a uh, state championship That's game. That's a highlight, one. baby. That's a highlight, my boy. That's a highlight. I'm getting out. I'm not getting in that. My my part that I walk off the field and my coach pulls me aside and goes, what were you doing? And then I go to the parking lot and my family's going, what were you doing? That was, I swear to God, that's what Even happened. Even mama's getting on you. I mean, no, it's my brother, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> but all right, so I'm. I'm on first base. This is my sophomore year. I didn't play. I I, I didn't really play my my freshman year because um, it's you're young, that kind of thing. And unless you're just a stud, which obviously I didn't play, you know, past high school, so I wasn't incredible. Um, I was good enough. I started late in co- in high school, but my freshman year didn't really play. Sophomore year, I start playing. I start doing different things, getting pinch hit app opportunities, uh, pinch running opportunities, that kind of stuff. I'm on first base. I just walked, and a player hits a ball into left field. Uh, not super deep left field, kind of not, but also not super shallow. I'm I'm gone off the off the ball, you know, off the bat, uh, off off contact. I'm moving, and I start rounding second base, and I'm looking at the ball, not paying attention to my third base coach at all. I'm looking at the ball, and I'm just gunning through, and I'm going, all right, I can make this, right? It once again, it is a little bit of a shallow ball into left field, and I still to this day think that I think I could have made it. When I look back to third base and I turn back and my coach is right there with his hands up and like instead, like I'm ha- I'm almost halfway there at this point and my brain just like, stop, just stop. And I'm like, well, <laughs> now guess what? You're right in the freaking middle of the base path. You're in between second and you're in between third, uh, get caught in the rundown, get thrown back and forth. And all of a sudden, like the guy finally catches me. When he finally catches me, we tumble and roll he's like rolls over top of me in between i'm out i get to walk back to the dugout one of my few moments getting to play uh and actually try to do something my coach just goes what are you doing and i was like sorry coach i wasn't paying attention didn't see you have the stop sign up (laughs) that adhd kicked in (laughs) dude hey i will say this though i'll never forget it too because like i literally was like i wasn't paying attention and this coach was so big on like excuses, right? Like he he absolutely, and I know a lot of high school coaches are, but this one, I've had a few coaches in the past that this one was like, if you made an excuse, it didn't matter if it was valid or not. Like he he didn't usually want to hear anything about it. And we get in and the next day at practice, he was like, he basically goes, made a mistake, said he made a mistake. 
we're good. Like, and I was like, Hey, I'll take that at least. But like, I, I just literally tumbled and barrel rolled with this other kid after I got tagged out because I was a little too anxious and an- antsy uh, as a base runner, as a sophomore that finally got on the field. Yeah, definitely, definitely not at the status yet where we can be blowing through stop signs at that point. No. At that point in the career, definitely have not reached that. To that this status. day, I still think that I would have been safe, but I was not at the status. I wasn't at the status to say, well, I even had a couple of my friends afterwards, like, I think you would have been all right. But like, <laughs> it didn't matter. Coach puts his hands up. I'm a sophomore that's like pinch running, I think. Or no, I just walked. So I had, I think I pinch hit. I walked and I was on base. So like, I, I, I had no seniority or any type of authority to be like i'm just gonna go because i think i can make it kind of thing no chance uh that yeah that, that's definitely one of those moments of you're either gonna look like a genius or you're about to crash and burn and boy did you crash and burn <laughs> you're so. about to run like for an entire day at practice tomorrow if you keep going kind of thing for sure for me i, I i'm trying to I was trying to decide earlier if this one deemed as embarrassing or it honestly is probably funny to anybody else. But for me, it was really embarrassing. But I was a sixth grader playing middle school baseball. There's three sixth graders on our middle school baseball team. All of them were in eighth grade, except for me and my two friends that had been playing through elementary school through our entire career. And we rode the freaking bench the whole season. I mean, every freaking game I knew that I was sitting on that cold metal bleacher just being a cheerleader, eating some sunflower seeds. That's what I was doing. I was nothing but a bat boy, a ball boy, whatever you want to call it. But on one game, we had a bunch of our eighth graders get called up for the JV game. So it was my opportunity to play. And so I get plugged into right field, as you typically do with probably your worst player on the field at the time. I get stuck in the right field because there ain't much action over right field. But we're in warm-ups hitting fly balls with the fungo bat. They go to left field. They go to center field. It's my turn. And and the ball comes in at me. I put my glove to catch it, and it hits the end of my glove and smacks me right in the face. Oh, no. Smacks me right in the face. Oh. And so I'm just kind of like, all right, whatever. Like I effed up, so that's, that's not good. I'm probably not playing again for the entire year. But anyway, so I throw the ball in, whatever. And I wipe my – I mean, I wipe my nose, and there's just blood all over oh. my hand. And I walk over to my coach and his eyes just like get this big. And I'm like, oh, I was like, what is going on? I look down. You were probably flooded. Oh, I was. I look down. There's blood all over my jersey. There is blood on my pants. There is blood just literally all over my face. So thankfully, some dad who used to be in the military has like all this gear in his backpack to like plug my nose, wipe it off. We go in the bathroom, yada, yada, yada. Well, I get back after cleaning up my nose, getting it plugged and all that. I got scratched from the lineup, and I did not get to play that day because I could not catch a fly ball. I couldn't do the simplest – one of the simplest things in the game, I could not catch a fly ball in right field. I had one job, and I couldn't do it. But it was easily How the worst bloody nose I've ever gotten in my life. But that's definitely one of them. I, the other one I was contemplating was – I actually have this one on video. I have it on my phone because I just – sometimes I have to go back and laugh at myself. But it, this one comes from basketball, and – I was in the post guarding a guy and like dish it into the guy that I'm guarding. So he's backing me down and he turns to do a layup and I'm on his back now. And I jump up to block his shot and just die. Oh, I've seen, end up toppling over video. head first yep. into the floor. I've seen that video. Yeah. That I was think, a, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the nosebleed one's worse. I think that's I think worse so too, for sure. Yeah. The other one is I just a moment worse. of like, dang, I'm about to be Himothy and pack yeah. this dude's crap into the stands. <laughs> and I end up head the biggest, first on the I'm not floor. him moment. Have you seen that on Twitter right now? What's the yeah. biggest I'm not him moment? <laughs> I'm not him. That was, that was a I'm not <laughs> him moment. 
You would that was a oh my gosh, did he just die? And you know, <laughs> six foot six does not fall very graciously no. from that high. I, up, I've so. seen that video. It was a good video. That was funny. It was, no, yeah, the nosebleeds worse. How old were you with the nosebleed one with the baseball? Oh, dude, I was like twelve or something okay. like that. At least and, you were young. At least. But you the were worst young. part is too, like at the time. I was using um, this massive baseball glove. I actually found it in the dugout that someone left, and it was massive. I mean, this was a huge glove. I think it was actually a softball glove softball, that I just found. Yeah. yeah. And so even with that big old mitt right in front of my face, I still missed it, and that thing knocked me square in the nose, and it was it was bad. It was rough. I actually I, used the softball glove thing, though, right? Talking about that, like I actually used a softball glove when I played in the outfield. Um, yeah. In the infield, you I, I didn't use that same glove. I had a different glove that I would use, but I actually had a softball glove that I actually used in the outfield because I had a huge web and it was like longer and like it was perfect for it. it. It absolutely was perfect for it. But the ball would get tra- if you tried to use that glove in the infield, the ball would just get trapped in the web and you couldn't like I played second base um, or third both in in high school and so like you both t- you need to get the ball out of your glove really quickly to make a throw uh, or to turn it up a play or whatever's going on and. Could not do it with that glove, man. I had yeah. I had to go buy a new glove. I was like, can't do it. Cannot do it. Wasn't working. Harrison, I will say, I've ne- I never got dunked on in my entire basketball career. It never happened to me. And I played against some dudes. I played 5A basketball against like Buford, Cedar Shoals, Clark Central. There were some dudes that I played against during my playing days. Never got dunked on, but I did miss a dunk during my senior year. And I'll never forget it because it's like third game of the season. I actually am – I mean, I had a clear breakaway. I mean, wide open. And I'm getting ready for it. I'm slowing down. And I cock it back. And I get stuffed by the rim. And if you don't oh, know no. what that like, – it's, it's bad enough oh. that I'm the tall dude on the court, like 6'6", like I said. I'm tall. I have no business missing a wide open dunk like that. But I freaking got stuffed by the rim. And I look like an idiot that was 6'6 for nothing type of moment. And it was – it was bad. It was it was really bad. That was that may be another my, I'm not him moment. <laughs> yeah, again, another I'm not him moment. For sure. You tried, you tried, you cocked that thing back and ready to. You I were just did. ready I to tried. show off. You were trying but to show off. I failed epically. I remember I got clowned on by the opposing team student section for a hot minute after that one, and well <laughs> deserved. They they had every right to be all up in my business after that one. Uh, Harrison, I don't know if he sent the, the, I don't remember seeing the video of him trying to dunk and it not working. I do remember seeing the video of, of him trying to block the shot and falling over. He did send that one to us. We have, we have seen that one before. I I don't think I have the one of me missing the dunk. I definitely wouldn't keep that one for sure. I I want Like I said, I want to dig that one in the closet, keep it there and let it die. Let it burn. Let it die. Yeah. That one's got to (laughs) go. I'm trying to see if anyone put some good stories in the comments. Let's see. I tried to chase down a pick six, and as coasting down in the end zone, ran over the the discus throw pad. Cleats came up out from underneath me, and I landed on my butt. That's pretty rough, Marion. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Zach says, my freshman year, all of the freshmen had a separate locker room and then an away game, and we got locked out of it at halftime. So y'all dudes was just chilling out in the field during <laughs> halftime. Y'all just look like some delinquents out there chilling at halftime. Rude says, I missed a catch on a long post because I stopped running for two steps to look back. When I did, QB chucks it. I lay out, and it hits the tip of my fingers. spring game. Rude's, I see you being a nasty grinder out there at wideout. I see you being like people probably – I, oh, I can yeah. see you being a guy that Ooh. people would o- underestimate you. But, man, you, you got, you're a guy that has some dog in him. 
and I bet you were a grinder out there. You're you're definitely someone I would want on my team. But yeah, that's pretty rough. But see, this is good. Everybody's just airing it out. Everybody got to recall their moments. It, it's better to hear about the bad moments because those are funny, at least for the other people yeah, listening. We can to laugh it. at them. We can laugh at when them you're now. talking about just your highlights. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, you peaked in high school, all right? You're still talking about your playing days in high school. Nobody cares." You, I mean. You don't play anymore for a reason, which, yeah, you would be right. We are not professional athletes. We are not even college-level athletes, but yet we sit here and we talk about some Georgia college football, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. One of our longer runs, but after taking a week off, man, we had to come back. Needed right. to do we it. We had to give you a bunch of content it. to listen to. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We appreciate every single one of y'all that came in the live comments. You guys were consistent the entire night. Dean, Harrison, Marion, Roods, all of y'all, Zach. You guys are always here. You guys are always supporting us. We always appreciate it. Come join the crew, guys. Come join them in here. They're lighting the chat up, having a conversation, enjoy joining in on the conversation with us. And we love it. We love the interactions with our with our subscribers and our fans. And we love the support. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're sitting here an hour in and haven't done so already, go ahead and do that for us. It is much appreciated. And we will see you guys next week with a post-G-Day recap where we yes. get to discuss what happened in an actual football game for the first time since the national championship game. But other than that, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. And Stoddard, you can close us out, brother. As always, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J. Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime... Of the entire Bulldog Nation.